Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Another good morning. Welcome. So glad you're here. We want to greet everyone watching online and uh, anyone out there in internet land that's uh, not here because you're dealing with a sickness. Come on, let's stretch our hands towards that. See that phone up there? That's everyone watching online. Lord, we pray and declare that anyone dealing with sickness today, we pray and we declare health, healing, strength, and peace for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, it is my privilege to share another message from God's wonderful word with you today. And as usual, if you would like to follow along with today's message, uh, there's an outline available digitally through your Bible app. Just make sure you choose uh, Encounter Church from the events in your Bible app. And then the printed outline is back there in the preaching box. Y como siempre, disponible en español también. All right. Now, we're going to continue this morning with our 2021 theme, Multiply. And as we do that, let's go ahead and read together. And you may not even need to see it by now. Many of you probably have it memorized by now. But our year 2021 theme verse, which comes out of the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 7. Come on, let's read the verse together. Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Now, let's do that a little different. Let's read it in a really soft voice, but when you get to the words in uh, all caps, let's say it a little bit louder. Are we ready? Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied. Good job. Acts Acts 6, 7, and our, what we've been saying is that all year long, what we felt like the Holy Spirit uh, speaking to us for this year is that this year we're going to multiply the How about we do that again in the same thing, the, big, the, the all caps are louder. Are you ready? Let's do this. We're going to multiply culture. Give yourselves a hand for that. That was pretty good. All right. So how? You maybe uh, have been here, you know, some this year, may have even been asking uh, what's all this about. How is it that we're going to see the culture of Jesus, the values of God's kingdom multiplied? No other way than through his words, right? The only way, biblically, that we can live and grow a culture that's based on the values of Jesus will be through his And and I know we've been saying that again and again, but I cannot stress enough how important the word of God is. The Bible says that God's people perish for lack of knowledge. 
And unfortunately, I, I, I've seen so many Christians that are not doing well, and it's all because they just don't know the word of God. The whole the last year was solid, right? We learned that we become strong through what? By practicing God's word. It's practicing God's word that makes us strong. And it's the same thing this year. It's really the same thing. We're not only personally becoming strong through God's word, but we're growing and multiplying and reaching others through God's word. It's, it, it, it all goes back to the word of God. So for that reason, in 2021, uh, we're reading specifically through the words of Jesus in the gospel of Mark. I explained it back in January that Mark is sort of the most straightforward, straight to the heart, straight to the words of Jesus of the four gospels, right? And so we're taking uh, Sundays, most Sundays throughout this year to read word for word, word for what? Word, because it's the words of Jesus as we examine the words of Jesus that Jesus values get into our hearts and into our minds and eventually get multiplied through our lives, right? So today we're going to go back to the words of Jesus. And today we're actually now to Mark chapter 3, okay? So that's why we're reading through Mark because we really want to take time to focus on Jesus' words. Just really quickly, Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2, we've read word for word through both of those chapters, and we learned about baptisms, right? We learned about baptism of repentance and water. We learned about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then we learned about purpose, the power of our purpose, and then we learned about souls, you know? We learned about God's heart for souls. And then last time I shared out of Mark with you, we learned about five gospel core values, remember? We learned about some really core values of the gospel. So that brings us now to Mark chapter 3. And this is one of my absolute favorite topics. In fact, it's what I live my whole life for. What I'm going to talk to you about today, I want to teach you about today, what we're going to see together in God's word today, this is literally what I live for. So let's go to Mark chapter 3. And, you know, we're reading out of the Amplified to get deeper understanding of God's word, we're going to read verses 1 through 19, and then we're going to really zero in mainly on, on verses 13 through 19. All right, who's ready for the word of God? Everybody awaken with us? Everybody together? Tap, some, tap somebody on the shoulder and say, are you ready for this? <laughs> Again, I'm ready and I'm very happy to share this with you because it means a lot to me. This topic means a whole lot to me. But let's go first and just read verses 1 through 19 together. And as usual, if I pause, you read the word out loud, all right? So, uh, verse 1. Again, Jesus went into a synagogue and a man was there whose hand was withered, okay? The Pharisees were watching Jesus closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Sabbath. We've read about this earlier. They got mad at him because he healed somebody on the Sabbath, right? So that they might accuse him in the Jewish high court. So if this, uh, th this is new to you, let me just explain. The Pharisees were highly religious people. 
okay? They were very, 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 very religious. They had lots and lots and lots of knowledge, but they did not really have a heart for God for the most part, right? And they were extremely jealous of Jesus. They were so jealous of Jesus because they were the the men that knew it all and they were supposed to be the teachers and and, and wanted to have all the followers follow them, uh, them around. But all of a sudden, here comes this Jesus of Nazareth and he's healing people and cleansing lepers and teaching these things that are like revolutionary and they got really jealous of him, okay? And so that was, that, that's, that's the Pharisees. So he said to the man whose hand was withered. Now remember, see this in, in, see this in your mind. They were watching. So there's a crowd and the Pharisees were there and they were watching him. They were, they were watching him to try to see if he would do something to accuse him. So he told the man whose hand was withered, get up, come on forward. And he asked them, who, who, who did he ask next? The Pharisees, right? He asked the Pharisees. Them is right. Them Pharisees, right? He asked them Pharisees. Is it lawful? I just, I just want you to imagine Jesus because he really, really, really messed with the Pharisees a lot. I mean, if he came to burst anyone's bubble, it was theirs, right? And everything he did bothered them so much they wanted to kill him, right? And did. I just want you to imagine Jesus, okay? He'd already healed on the Sabbath before and they were all angry and jealous and all this. Now here he is again in the synagogue, hello, in their, in their place, all right? And he's about to heal somebody. But, but before he does, he says, um, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil? To save a life or to kill? Come on, somebody say, no brainer. Right? Good or evil, save or kill on God's day, right? On God's day, the, the day of the Lord, Shabbat. Are we going to do good or are we going to do evil? Are we going to heal this man? Or just let him die. And they were what? They kept silent. They knew he was right. After looking around at them with anger, he got mad. <laughs> Grieved at the hardness and arrogance of their hearts, he told the man, hold out your hand. And he held it out, and his hand was completely restored. Take that, stinking Pharisees, right? <laughs> how many of you are glad? How many of you praise God today that he saved us and healed us, and he didn't care what anybody else thought about us? He didn't care what he had to go through to be able to save us and heal us or how that he would be accused for what he was doing. He did it because he had compassion on us and loved us. And he was angry. 
if there's anything God is angry about and God, in, in fact, is very much in a good mood, <laughs> he is joy. But if there's one thing that angers him is when people misuse him. Okay? We call that religion. He was very angry at their heart, at their arrogance, at their holier-than-thou attitude, at their, we know how it's supposed to be, and this is not the way. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a Pharisee. Come on, just tap somebody one more time, maybe even a little harder this time, and say, don't, don't be one of those Then, then the Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians or the supporters of Herod, which were political people, okay? They were like the, 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 the political um, movement of the day, all right? And they were supported by many and hated by, by, by many others, okay? They were very hated by the Jews. Now, but, 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 but get this. So the Pharisees, which were like the Jewish, the most Jewish of Jews, now go and conspire with the people that they really hated. That's how much, they hated Jesus so much that they were willing to become friends with the people that they really hated in order to get back at Jesus. How crazy is that, right? So they went out and together they conspired with the Herodians against Jesus as to how they might fabricate, so make it up, fake it, right? Some legal grounds to put him to death. Wow. He just healed a man and what they want to do for that is let's just kill him. Did they want to kill him because he healed or did they want to kill him because they were jealous? They were jealous, right? Because now he was getting all the followers. I could stop there and preach an entire message, but I will not do that today because we're going to get to the main point. But let me just say this. When the religious and the political spirit combine and mix and, and try to be one and the same, it can be very deadly, okay? It can be very deadly. We need to be very careful with that. So after all of this happened, let's go to the next verse. Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples. I don't know about you, but after I did all that Jesus did and then they want to kill me, I'd probably want to go to the beach too with my friends. <laughs> so he's like, guys, let's go on to the beach. Like, it says he went on with his disciples and his friends, right? And they withdrew to the sea. And um, as typically happened, a large crowd from Galilee followed him. And also, uh, it says, and also people from Judea and from Jerusalem and from Idumea and from the region beyond the Jordan and all around Tyre and Sidon, a vast number of people came to him because they were hearing about all the things that he was doing. And he told his disciples to get a small boat, to have a small boat stand ready for him because of the many people 
so that they would not crowd him, right? There were so many people that Jesus could barely move, right? Okay? And so they said, he, he told his disciples, get a boat ready because I need, to, I need to, 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 to have some space to be able to do what I'm going to do, right? For he had healed many, all right? So he had healed. He had already healed many. Now look what he's about to do, okay? What it says. And as a result, all who had diseases, how many who had diseases? All of them. Imagine every single sick person from all those places we just read, all right? All of them pressed around to touch him. Whenever unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and screamed out, you're the son of God. I don't know how they said it, but something like that. And Jesus always, he always sternly warned them again and again not to tell anyone who he was, right? Why did Jesus tell uh, those that he healed and delivered not to tell anyone who he was? You guys know why? Because he realized that the Jews wanted to make him a different kind of savior than he was. He had come to save from sin, but they wanted Jesus, they wanted the Messiah to come and save them from the Romans, right? To come and save them from the political oppression of the day. And he had not come to do that. He had come to set them free from real oppression, right? The oppression of sin. And he knew that if, 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 if everybody caught wind that he was the Messiah, they were going to try to force him to become like their king. That's why he, a worldly king. That's right. That's why he kept saying, don't tell anybody who I am, right? Eventually, everybody was going to know. Now we get to verse 13 through 19, and this is where we're going to really uh, drive it home today, okay? So let's go. He went up on the hillside and called those to himself that he himself wanted and chose, and they, and they came to him, right? And he appointed 12 disciples. Sorry, I keep doing that, but I really want to make sure we're all together in the word. Is that all right? He appointed 12. Oh, that was all right. Let's try that again. He called them and all the people, he, he called a bunch. We don't have the exact number, but it says he called a crowd to himself, basically. And then from the crowd, he appointed 12 disciples. Ah, disciples so that they would be with him. Mm. And, be with him for instruction, and so that he could send them to preach. All right, come on, somebody say, be with him, send them. Be with him, send them. Relationship, purpose. Be with him, send them. Relationship, with a job to do. Okay, we'll come back. The gospel, to preach the gospel as apostles, that is his special messengers, personally chosen representatives. What a privilege. 
That, you know, you read about when Jesus calls people to follow him and it says they just left everything and followed. <laughs> what a privilege to become part of Jesus' team. And to have authority to cast out demons. Keep reading. They really liked that part. <laughs> he appointed the 12. Simon, who he gave the nickname Peter, right? And James, the son of Zebedee. And John, the brother of James. And he gave them the, the, the name or the nickname Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, right? They were quite rowdy and needed a lot of discipleship. <laughs> and Jesus gave them nicknames, the sons of thunder. They were the ones that later on got mad with the people that were like not accepting them and they were like wanting to, for lightning to strike them and fire to come down from heaven and burn them up, right? Sons of thunder. Just look at look, look the kind of people Jesus called to be on his team. And he also appointed Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew or Nathaniel and Matthew, who was Levi, the tax collector. Talk about someone hated. He was Matthew that uh, the tax collectors were basically traitors of their own people, the Jews, because they worked for the Romans to collect taxes from the Jews. And then they would cheat them by collecting more taxes. So they would steal from their own people. So the Pharisees were hated and the tax collectors were ultra, extra, super, mega hated. All right. And Jesus invited one of them to be on a team of a bunch of Jews. <laughs> wow. Can you already see that there might be a little bit of conflict in this team? We just think about them as brothers, right? Oh, Jesus and the 12 disciples, they were just brothers, a big, happy family. Not, not, not really at first. And Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus. So two Jameses, right? And Thaddeus, Judas, the son of James. So they all had, a lot of them had two names. It was like nicknames. And Simon, his nickname was the Zealot, right? He was always talking. He always thought he knew what to do. He was very, very zealous about everything. And finally, um, a traitor, <laughs> Judas Iscariot, who eventually betrayed Jesus. Whew. All right. I told you we were going we're gonna to read through 1 through 19. And, and, and now what we're going to do is focus specifically on verses 13 through 19 today. And for that, for focus, I want us to read just those verses in the New Living Translation. So we're going to have that up here on the screen for you. You can follow along in your Bible as well. Mark 13, uh, 3, just now 13 through 19 in the New living. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him and he appointed 12 of them and called him, called them his apostles. Now, here we go. They were to, to what? They were to, that was almost good. They were to accompany him. We're going to come back to that word. Probably the most important word of the day. Come on, say accompany. 
But also, he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Come on, everybody say, accompany, send. Accompany, send. Come with me, then I'm going to send you to go, right? Come, now, go. Follow me for a purpose. Be with me, but then I'm going to send you to be with others. Learn from me to do something with what you learned from me. Come on, say, come, go, accompany, send. All right, we're going to come back to that. These are the 12 he chose. Again, Simon, whom he named Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, <laughs> Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Notice what a diverse group Jesus' disciples was. <laughs> I mean, from hated tax collectors like Matthew to fishermen who, by the way, were probably the ones that hated him the most because he collected their taxes, right? <laughs> and a traitor in the mix. What a diverse group of people. But that takes us back to Mark chapter 2 where we learned the five gospel core values. You guys remember that one of the gospel core values is that the gospel is for all types of people, right? The gospel, the good news, the kingdom of God is for all types of people. Anyone can get in the kingdom if they're just willing to follow Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, if you accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, it'll work for you. Amen? So here at Encounter Church, we, we really talk a whole lot about discipleship. Yes or no? I really don't think that there's even one meeting, not even a prayer meeting, that we probably don't at least say the word discipleship, right? We talk a whole lot about discipleship. Have you ever wondered why? Some of you have probably gone, why do they talk about discipleship so much? Others may have gone, I don't know why they talk about discipleship all the time. It's not they ever talk about over there. You know, I'll just be pretty straightforward about why. Because disciple making was Jesus' focus. His main focus. The three years of his ministry. And it was kind of his final command. <laughs> To all of his followers about what they were supposed to do when he was going to go back to the Father. Why is it that we talk so much that we insist so strongly on discipleship here at Encounter Church? Because 
That is discipleship is the culture of Jesus. Multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus. The way Jesus multiplied his values was through his disciples. No other way. And the reality remains the same today. You and I are believers in Christ today because some disciple took Jesus seriously. Yes? Because somebody took seriously the command to go and make disciples. Jesus spent, I'm already getting to the end of the message, but I just got to say it now. I mean, I'm not nearly near the, to the end. I'm sorry. But I was going to say this at the end, but I just got to say it now. Theological scholars take a look at the Gospels, and if they break down the time Jesus spent doing ministry... 30% of his time-ish was before a big crowd. 70% of Jesus' time was spent instructing, empowering his 12 disciples. Wow. But now, when I studied that, it hit me. No. That would actually make it 100%. Because... Every time he was with a crowd ministering to people, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, talking to the woman at the well, here come the disciples watching what he did. So 100% of Jesus' time, literally, except when, for when he got a few moments away to pray with the Father, they were just always with him learning. But modern day westernized Christianity has just become about this, sitting in a room and hearing somebody, hearing somebody teach the word of God. And listen, large gatherings are good. We need it. We see it in the book of Acts. The church did it. They met together all the time in the temple. The apostles taught them the word of God. It's good. But at the same time, read through the book, book of Acts. It says they met from house to house on a daily basis. Right? They ate together. They did life together. And because of that, the Bible says the number of the disciples multiplied. In fact, it said that believers were added to the church daily. New disciples came on a daily basis because that's how they lived their life. So why is it that we talk so much about discipleship? Well, listen. I just want to be like Jesus. You want to be like Jesus? Do you know that the word, the term Christian, we got any Christians here? Yeah? That's not. <laughs> Christian is also a Christian, yes. But. Listen. For the first few years, the believers were not called Christians. They were called disciples. That's, they were called disciples. That's what they were known as. They weren't called Christians. It wasn't until later they were called Christians. Do you know why people started calling Christians Christians? 
Christ-like. It meant they were imitators of Jesus. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity became known as a religion, right? But Christianity is composed of Christians who were originally called disciples, and they called the disciples Christians because they looked like Christ, because they lived like Christ, because they imitated Christ. Why do we talk about discipleship? Because it is the command Jesus left those who had followed him in his earthly, in his time in the earth, right? He told them in one occasion in Mark, he said, go and preach the gospel to everyone. And then in Matthew 28, he told the same group, he said, go and make disciples and teach them everything I've taught you, right? So Jesus' whole purpose in the earth, when he was three years, his ministry in the earth wasn't just about what he could do. It was about what he could teach them to do and then they would go to do it with many more. I'll come back to that. It's hard not to just keep going with that right now, but I'm gonna go on. And then we'll come back to that at the end. Are we good? All right. So what exactly is discipleship then? If we talk about it all the time, if we see it, one of the main themes of the entire New Testament, especially the Gospels. But what is it? Because there's a lot of wonky ideas out there about what it is. I've been in some of them before. I'm so thankful that when I first got born again, I had someone that actually really did disciple me. Really. I've also been some places where they called discipleship something that was not discipleship. (laughs) I don't know what it was. But it wasn't discipleship. Discipleship has been, there's been so many attempts to define discipleship. But we don't need a lot of definitions because we have a very clear picture of it from Jesus himself. And if we ever try to define or describe discipleship as a Christian, any other way than an exact copy of what Jesus did, we get off. Jesus said, I am the way, right? So when we see Jesus and what he did, we see this is the way, right? Many attempts to define it. Some people say discipleship is just to follow Jesus. That's very important, but it's not just that. Follow, learn, student, all that is good. It's definitely part of it. Others 
again, I, I tell you this from experience. I'm not saying this as a rebuke. Are you guys with me? I'm not saying any of this to rebuke anybody. I've, I've, I've been following Jesus since I was a teenager, okay? I've been following Jesus for real for 25 years. I've seen it and I've been a part of it where all discipleship is is like come to our discipleship class, right? Discipleship classes are good. We have them and we're about to launch some new ones. So not, not downing discipleship classes. <laughs> but discipleship isn't a class. <laughs> Jesus never taught any class. <laughs> the classroom was just being with him. Right? Discipleship is also not a formula. A, B, C, A plus B plus C equals D, disciple. Right? No. No, no, no. Because it's a process that actually never ends. Right? If I ever stop being discipled, if I ever stop learning, I'll stop growing. So what is discipleship? If it's not a lot of the things that maybe we've been taught or maybe we thought. I've heard others put it this way. I just think all the discipleship is is like a friendship with another Christian. No. Pardon me, but there's more to it than that. Jesus didn't call his 12 just to be buddy buddies. He called them for a purpose. They were going to be his friends, but they were going to be responsible to go and multiply what he did, to go and take that to others. So what is discipleship? Well, we get a very clear, I think actually to me, Mark 3 gives us the clearest, most vivid picture of what it actually is. Okay, so we get to this phrase that says when, you know, when he, they called, uh, he called them. And they were to accompany him. Accompany. And then be sent to do what he did. Or to imitate him. Okay. So, very simply put, I see some of you writing, so you're going to want to write this one. Very simply put, discipleship is to accompany and imitate. Accompany and imitate. And it never stops. And it never ends. To accompany but to not just accompany, not just be with, but actually imitate him. Yes? So throughout the Gospels, throughout all the Gospels, there's this Greek word, and many of you will remember this if you were here last year. 
Many of you will remember this, so go ahead and get your hands ready. See, I see some of you already know what this is all about, where we're going. Throughout the New Testament, okay, very, spe- uh, very especially in the Gospels, when it describes, okay, Jesus and the disciples' relationship, there's this word that the Bible uses to describe Jesus' relationship with the disciples and the disciples' relationship with Jesus. How many of you know what that word is? Some of you are already showing me what it is, but what is it? Diatribo. Diatribo. All right. Come on, let's learn a word in Greek today. Say, diatribo. All right. So, what does that mean? What is the definition of that word? Throughout the, 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 the Gospels, when you see it talking about Jesus and the disciples this, the disciples went with Jesus and that. Jesus said to the disciples, Jesus went here and the disciples went with him. Jesus did this and the disciples did that. There's this word throughout, diatribo. Come on, say it one more time. And this is what it means. It literally means to rub together. All right? So let's, let's do this with our hands. Now, I want you to keep doing it because I, I want you to feel something. Some of you begin to feel it. Don't wimpy rub. Come on. Rub. Diatribo means... Rada's hands are on fire already. All right. Oh, I see it happening. I see. Don't stop doing it. I want you to get this because this is what diatribo means. It means to rub together, to rub off on, and it means to consume. To rub together, rub off on, and consume and believe it or not some of you have already whipped out come on what happened baby come on let's rub those calluses off today all right come on let's consume all those dead skin cells oh all right to rub together it's hard to do with a microphone okay to rub together to rub off on, to consume. And actually, you know how de- words have more than one definition? It actually means to spend time. Okay? So diatribo, I can't do it with, I need somebody to hold the mic. Some, I need a, a helper. I need a helper. Thank you. All right, let's try it again. All right, let's try it again. Some of you are already like, I consumed all the dead skin cells already. Right. <laughs> Going to be no viruses or bacteria left. All right. To rub together. Now, you know when you rub two things together, they rub off on each other. Apply that to people. Apply that to a relationship. <laughs> Jesus and his disciples. You and whoever you're learning from. You and whoever you're spending time with. 
You and your spouse if you're married. You and your kids if you have any. Woo! You know they rub. You and your best friend. I don't have any friends. Get some. I'm going to give you the opportunity here in a few minutes. What did y'all do over at Encounter Church today? We rubbed our hands together until it hurt. All right, listen. This is what discipleship means, all right? You don't have to, but I want you to do it. Listen. This is what it means. I want you to feel it, all right? This is what discipleship means. Discipleship is to spend regular time together rubbing Jesus off on each other until our attitudes, perspectives, and behaviors become totally consumed with Jesus. Yeah? That's what it is. All right. Thank you, sir. Question. Listen, I'm not... Let's not even... Let, let, let's... Let's uh, leave the discipleship topic for, uh, for 10 seconds. Who do you do a tree bow in life? I'm not talking about even discipleship or church. Whoever it is that you spend time with. Whomever it is you spend time with, you will rub off on them and they will rub off on you. That's just the way it is. Parenting is a wonderful, wonderful, vivid revelation of it. My kids don't do what I say. They do what I do. I wish they would do both. But in reality, with whomever you spend time regularly, they're going to rub off on you and you're going to rub off on them. And what discipleship actually looks like, okay, a picture of it I want you to get, is when, is when we rub off Jesus onto each other until who we are becomes consumed with Jesus. Who are you allowing to rub off on you? Who are you pursuing trying to get them to rub off on you? Listen, I've been a, 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 a pastor for many years now. For some, to get somebody to disciple me, people don't just come up and try. They assume I'm the one doing all the discipling. I literally have to pursue somebody else more mature than me spiritually to get them to rub off on me. Because discipleship is all about becoming like Jesus, learning to imitate Jesus. And yes, we can get it from his word. And absolutely, we get it from his Holy Spirit. But according to Jesus' model, we get it from one another too. We're a body. We're a family. He didn't say to his 12, go and I'll continue to make disciples in the spirit until I return. Just go and watch what I do. He discipled them and his final instructions were now you go and do the same. 
Do what I've done with you. Do it with others for the purpose of imitating Jesus. It's not just having a relationship with someone who's, who you can learn from. It's being in relationship, rubbing, letting someone rub off on you that you intend to not just learn, but to do. In fact, the apostle James later writes in his epistle that those of us who see what the word of God says, but we don't do anything about it, we are fools, thank you. just keeps getting so quiet in here just think about the word just think about the word diatribo really quick all right what what word it may i think if we can get it up on the screen the word diatribo all right what word do you see there in the middle so if we uh if we americanize this word we would say diatribo right so let's say diatribo. The reality is when real discipleship is taking place in a community, a tribe gets formed. When real true discipleship is happening, it forms a tribe. What do you mean? You might think that sounds a little creepy. What tribe? The Jesus tribe, y'all. A tribe is a group of people with a common culture and a common leader. That's what it is. So what is a tribe? It's a group of people, okay? So it has to be a group. That They're different, obviously. Humans, you know, we're different from one another. But a tribe is described as a group of people that has a common culture, okay? That means they have the same values and they follow a common leader. We have a common leader, do we not? Come on, who's your leader? But we also have a common culture. Well, we ought to, which is the whole point of 2021, multiply to multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus, right? We ought to have the same values and not because we just become like each other, but because we're getting our values from the same source, from the words of Jesus, from the word of God. Listen, thank you guys for being patient. I know I'm taking a good bit of time to explain this away today. But I don't want anyone to walk away today. I don't want anyone to get in their car, scratching their head going, I'm not really sure still what discipleship is. But discipleship forms a tribe. It makes us a family. It takes a group of very different and diverse people. Take three seconds and find 10 people that are different than you just in this Small room. 
Different, 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 different. In so many ways. Y'all, we're not a family that's related by blood, but we are a family that is related by the blood. Amen. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us and adopted us by the Holy Spirit into the same family. And we're brothers and sisters. Tall brothers, short brothers, black brothers, white brothers, brown brothers, skinny sisters. Strong sisters. Calm and chill and, 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 and tranquilo sisters. And Simon the Zealots. But we all share a common bond. We've all been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and it's made us a family and it's made us a body. And just like a body is all joined together, all the different parts it ought to be, by the way, if you get rid of one of your body parts, it's not gonna go very well for that body part, okay? So I can be a Christian and not really be connected to a local church. Good luck with that, okay? You won't survive very long, not really, okay? You need to be connected to other believers, but we're, we're a totally diverse group but we're bonded by something we have in common. Old and young, married and not married, children or childless. We all have one thing in common. It's Jesus. And because we have Jesus in common, we have everything in common, y'all. The young need the older. And the, and the wise need the novice. I'll just say as a man, ladies, we need y'all. We do. A lot of times y'all do most of the work. Men, could we accept that? Yes. Now, ladies, do you need us, men? Yes. You still need us? Yes. Somebody said, I, I don't know about needing men, but I can tolerate them, right? <laughs> no, you need us. All right. <laughs> I love this one. We're a family comprised of distinct cultures, but we're all harmoniously tied together by one same culture. We have different cultures in the house. In just a few minutes, I'm going to present some folks, and you're going to notice different colors, different languages, different seasons of life. But we're all tied together as a family by this one culture that we're all about multiplying this year. So why the culture of Jesus? Why the culture of Jesus? Because the values of Jesus, if we share the same values, it creates a whole tribe. It creates a culture, a counterculture 
that exist in our world to win the world into the kingdom of God, right? We're a family of disciples committed, 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 committed to imitating the same leader. If you've been wondering why multiply 2021, why multiply? If you weren't with us last year, we did a whole year, solid. And we have to answer the question, why solid? Because practicing the word of God makes us strong, right? Okay, why multiply? Because we truly believe God has called us. God has called us, his people, the church, to change the world. But the only way we're going to change that culture is if we get Jesus culture in us. The only way that Jesus culture is going to be multiplied in the world is if it's multiplied right here. Multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus. We're pursuing a culture based on the values of God's kingdom. And it all results from Jesus' words. Now, Jesus. Now, I really am getting ready to wrap it up. All right? You guys all right? All right. Thank you for bearing with me. Jesus, hopefully you will agree, was the perfect disciple maker. If we look for an example of what it looks like to be a disciple maker, we need to look at Jesus. Okay? Yes, we can learn from Paul, and we can learn from Timothy, and we can learn from all the rest, absolutely. Yes, you can look at worldly examples of discipleship, right? Because this principle doesn't just work in the kingdom. This principle works for anything, right? Whoever you rub off on, you're going to become like, and they're going to become like you. End of story. Okay? But if, if there was anyone who made disciples correctly, it was Jesus. So, we ought to look at him as the model, and he showed us a very important pattern. And this is the pattern, all right? This is one thing I really want you to, to grab a hold of and take away today. And some of us will be able to act on it today. Others of us very soon will be able to act on this. Some of you may need to go and think about it, have some conversations. But all of us can act on this biblical truth today. This is the pattern Jesus set. Disciples are most successfully made and multiplied through small groups. Diatribo. You cannot diatribo 150 people. You couldn't even diatribo 50. For real. Jesus ministered, healed, fed multitudes of people. In one occasion, he fed 20,000 people with what we learned last Sunday, right? With five loaves of bread and two fishes, right? But he didn't diatribo all them people. He ministered to multitudes, but he only discipled a small group. For him, it was 12. Diatribo. Tribes. I'm not going to, but we could change. Rather than calling them small groups, we could call them tribes, right? <laughs> what tribe are you in? We're not going to do that because that would be interesting to explain, right? But <laughs> large gatherings are good. I promise I'm bringing this home. Large gatherings are good, but small groups produce the biggest results. 
Open air crusades. I love them. I helped with one. I want to do it more. Great. Big-ish <laughs> gatherings like ours today are good. We're going to keep doing them. This gathering is going to grow. We're probably pretty soon going to have to open two gatherings, okay? But the biggest results are produced through small groups. You say, prove it to me from the Bible. Let me prove it to you from the Bible and from church history. Jesus ministered to thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands for three years straight. He raised dead boys out of coffins. He cleansed people with leprosy. He healed the sickest of the sick. He fed them when they were hungry. He taught them the blessings of the kingdom of God. Big, big crowds from all over. And after three years of doing that, how many of you know how many followers he ended with after three years of doing that? How many followers? 500. You might say 500 sounds like a lot. That doesn't even qualify for a megachurch. <laughs> Hello? If that were the measure of success, Jesus' church was less successful than the megachurch down the road. I love the megachurch down the road, by the way. This is nothing against big churches. We will become one because we want to reach a city. Hello? Not big for the sake of big, big for the sake of souls. Hello? But if Jesus' success were measured by how many followers he ended up with after he did these big massive healing crusades, he wasn't very successful. Hello? But literally, he arises from the grave ascends back to the Father, but just before he ascends back into the Father, he tells his 12 men, okay? Actually, by now they're 11 because Judas has done his thing. <laughs> he tells them, now, I'm about to go back to the Father, and with all authority in heaven and on earth, I tell you, go and do the same thing I've done with you. Go and make disciples of all nations. And listen, Within a few short months, there were nearly a hundred thousand disciples of Jesus. Three years of Jesus ministering to big crowds, 500 followers. A few months of the 12 disciples making more disciples, a hundred thousand. That's kingdom math. Man, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel pretty doggone good. Like Jesus thought that his disciples, any but disciples out there today, could accomplish more that by them going and repeating what he did than what he could do as God on the earth. <sighs> That's why he told them, you're going to do greater things than I. Seventy percent 
of Jesus' time was spent teaching and empowering the 12 disciples. 30% to the crowds, and they were with him then too. So 100% of Jesus' ministry discipled others. Discipleship is a relationship with a purpose to do what Jesus did. I'm so glad that those tens of thousands of disciples in the book of Acts kept on doing it because the rest is history. Today there are over a billion followers of Jesus in the earth. Today there are very few and it's dwindling fast people groups who have yet to receive the gospel. But it's because they obeyed. They did. They took seriously what Jesus said. Are you part of the Jesus tribe? Have you decided to follow Jesus? If you haven't, you should decide today. If you are following Jesus, who is accompanying you on your journey? If you're going at it alone, you will not make it very far. And you were called for greatness. You were called to go far. Two good questions to always ask yourself as a disciple. All right? Ready for these final little things here? Who's rubbing against me? And who am I rubbing off on? Who's rubbing off on me? And whom am I rubbing off on? Maybe a better way to put it is this. Are you ready? Who is pouring Christ into me? And into whom am I pouring Christ? Who's pouring Christ into me? And into whom am I pouring Christ? That's why we insist so much on being a part of a small group. And for nearly a year, we sort of took a break from having the small groups and, you know, in the, in the limelight because we really felt like the Holy Spirit said, take some time and make sure the small groups are actually doing what they're supposed to do, which is make disciples. Biblical small groups are not just to have fellowship with people that you have something in common with. Biblical small groups aren't just only to get together and study the Bible. Biblical groups that we see in the book of Acts reproduce and multiply disciples of Jesus. And so we took some time to make sure that that's what our groups are doing. And I am so proud and happy to say today that we have so many groups now that are doing that. And what I wanted to do, the way I wanted to end this message today is challenging you, encouraging you, and inviting you to connect in discipleship with somebody somewhere. Because God wants and I want you to go far. God wants you to live a life, a successful life following him. God wants to use you 
But we need to obey the word of God. We need to follow the model, the pattern set for us by Jesus. We need to be connected with others in discipleship. And so today, I'm going to just present to you some folks that have been trained to make disciples. They are making disciples. Some of them have uh, small groups that are open for you to join. Others are about to start a brand new small group. There are others that in the coming upcoming weeks and months will be opening even more new small groups. And what I want to do is I want to present these people to you because I want you to talk to them. And if you're not connected in discipleship somewhere, I want you, I want you to to take a step towards that. Get connected. Start diatreboing with somebody. Start accompanying somebody. Start getting with somebody and allowing them to pour Christ in you. But know this, as you do that, you're called to pour Christ into somebody else too. Because that is how this thing multiplies. First, I'm going to ask if uh, RJ and Becca would just stand up. I'm going to come to you guys. This is RJ and this is Rebecca. Turn around. All right. They lead wake. Now I want the wake small group leaders to stand up. If you're in here, all of the, some of them are probably serving. But if you're in, wow, okay. If you are a college student or a young adult, young as in 30 or under, right? And you're not connected in discipleship, come talk to one of them. I'm sure they'd be glad for you to be a part of one of their groups, all right? Let's give Wake a big hand, all right. Mr. Kwame, stand up. Ooh, about tripped over myself, all right. Wave, everybody. This is Kwame, all right. Kwame has a small group of men who are growing and becoming like Jesus, right? So, if you are a man, and you are in, you wanna connect, No, ladies, please. All right. Not in this one. All right. And you want to connect in a discipleship group for men, you can talk to Mr. Page. All right. Thank you, Kwame. All right. With the lovely Alex, please stand. This is Alex, everybody. All right. Alex is making lady disciples. If you are, if you are a lady and you are not connected in, uh, in, in discipleship yet, talk to Alex. She'll be able to help you. I'm coming back to y'all. All right. Jackie, wave at everybody. This is Jackie over here. All right. Jackie has an on fire group of lady disciples. And I think she wants some more. Okay. So ladies, also, you can talk to Jackie if you're interested in getting connected in discipleship. All right. Let me keep going. How about this? Okay, where are uh, Necesito a Sara or Ivan? Okay. <laughs> you can turn around. Pueden, pueden voltear para atrás si quieren. Okay? I need to say this in Spanish and then I'll explain. Ivan is back there in the translator booth. Wave. All right. Okay. And I want to do this because I want you guys to see something, okay? I want to do this. 
Todos aquellos que son parte del grupo en español, pónganse de pie. This is what. Wow. Wow. This is one of our largest, if not the largest, small group. <laughs> Discipling people, and it's a group in Spanish. Gracias. Se pueden sentar. If you have questions about the Spanish small group, you can talk to Ivan Osara. Puedes hablar con Ivan Osara si tú tienes alguna pregunta. Pero estoy seguro que todos los que van al grupo en español te quieren invitar. Okay? Okay. Pretty soon we'll have other languages doing that. How about that? Yeah? Thanks for bearing with me, all right? Just another couple of minutes, all right? Um, where is, where's Diane? Where's Diane? Hey, everybody wave at Diane there in the back. All right. Wave, wave again. Wave big. Diane, Diane, all right. Some other ladies need to go talk to Diane because she is opening a brand new ladies small group. Yay! All right. So if you're interested in, in discipleship, you can talk with, with Miss Diane. I'm trying to make sure I don't skip anybody here. All right. Um, let's see. If Alicia, is Alicia back there? All right. Uh, I think Alicia is holding the baby. Um, or So just wave really, really, that's Alicia, all right? All right. Alicia is also starting another brand new ladies small group. All right. All right. Um, Alex and Will stand up really quick. These guys are also starting a brand new group for men. Wow. I told you it was getting good, y'all. Okay, is, is Jonathan still in here anywhere? Where Jonathan, all right. Look at the sound booth. Jonathan, wave, 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 wave really big back there in the sound booth. If you don't know Jonathan, that's Jonathan. He's also gearing up to open a new group for men, all right? <sighs> Many more to come. Uh, uh, a few are, um, are, are out sick today. Letty, uh, Letty. Leti Elizalde tiene otro grupo de discípulas en español, okay? Uh, another Spanish specifically... Uh, ladies discipleship group, right? And there are others to come. Now listen, I just want to say this before we get to, uh, to the final one. Um, if you're like, I don't remember who waved at me. <laughs> if you have any questions, you can always talk to me. You can always talk to Liz, Pastor Julian, Pastor Diana. If you have any questions like where should I, whom should I talk to, Um, but one more final one. I'm so, 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 so excited that we now have a youth group here at Encounter Church, a youth ministry. All right. So Bree and Caleb stand up. Where's Matt? Where's Kara? You guys stand up. All right. These guys lead Encounter Youth. Yeah. So if you are a teenager or how you are a parent that has a teenager, okay, if you want to get connected in discipleship, come talk to these guys and they will get You as a teenager, we have an on-fire group of teenagers here at Encounter Church, all right? And it's going to multiply, amen? All right. Thank you guys again for bearing with me. This was such an important day to be able to do all of this, to be able to say all of this. Other groups are coming soon. But for now, I want to just ask everybody to stand up. 
Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.